0: What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. 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 Welcome, listener, to the 56th premium chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast,
1: the Lysenkoism
0: episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rakatansky, Julian Field,
1: and Travis View. This week, we continue to plumb the history of disinformation with an examination of a movement called Lysenkoism and its creator, Trofim Lysenko. An agricultural czar under Stalin, Lysenko worked within the Soviet regime to overturn everything Travis view values, science, facts, and logic. To give you an idea of how psychedelic things get, Trophim's version of reality allowed for wheat to be transmuted into barley. Despite being a solid precursor to the intellectual dark web, many biologists protested Lysenko's ideas. Things got terribly out of hand, and we have one Travis view to lead us through the madness. As usual, he will be taunted and interrupted by Jake and Julian. Godspeed.
0: Lysenkoism.
2: So on the show, we, we often talk about the concept of like post-truth and uh, people often talk about this as if it's kind of like a modern thing. In fact, post-truth was like the, the word of the year, according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary in 2016. But I think it's kind of like hard to define because, you know, widespread falsehoods and reality denial obviously aren't new. What, what I think is new is that, you know, thanks to the Internet, just about anybody can kind of choose their own preferred false version of reality and try to enforce it on others. When years prior, you needed a lot of like power and influence to get people to deny reality on kind of like a mass scale. Now, I mean, like historically, governments lie and try to make their citizens believe those lies like all the time. I mean, cite one example, you know, a government's intelligence agency might claim that they aren't performing human experiments on their own citizens when they actually are. Hmm. hmm. Uh, to cite a more recent example, uh, Washington Post recently published an exposé called The Afghanistan Papers. It's based on a collection of documents that demonstrate that the U.S. government engaged in an explicit and sustained effort to deliberately mislead the public about the progress of the decades-long Afghanistan war. Oh. So. Another We're, surprise. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, the war is a common thing that governments lie about. I just know?
1: hadn't checked on it in like three or four years. I assumed it was
2: going. It well. was going well. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like you just constant ambience of war. You yeah. just kind of get marinated.
1: Like the aunt you never see. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I believe that the you know social media has exacerbated the problem of post truth. You know the the practice of like insisting upon a falsehood is like really as old society, but sometimes it's taken to these really big extremes. What if a government promoted a falsehood about something that's supposed to cut closer to, like, hard reality? Specifically, what if they promoted pseudoscience? What's more, what if anyone who dared to promote true science risked their job, their freedom, and even their life? What if acknowledging reality and facts became dangerously taboo? Well, we're close. (laughs) There's actually a fascinating historical example of that sort of thing happening, and that's Lysenkoism in Soviet Russia. Lysenkoism was the set of pseudoscientific ideas about biology and agriculture promoted by the Soviet agronomist Trofim Lysenko, but it was also a political campaign to crush anyone who disagreed with those false ideas. It wasn't so much like post-truth as much it was like state-enforced anti-truth, but I think it serves as like a good cautionary tale of just how detached from reality that very powerful, educated people can become.
1: Yeah. Travis has always been very negative about the Soviet government. He's never been a big supporter of the party. <laughs> That's this is this is, is true?
2: <laughs> Just something I noticed about you. <laughs> So uh, for sources for this episode, I'm going to primarily rely on the 1986 book, The Lysenko Affair, by David Joravosky, and the 1994 book, uh, Lysenko and the Tragedy of Soviet Science, by Valerie Sofer. And by the, both of those authors had personal experiences with, uh, with uh, Lysenko. It was very interesting.
1: Yeah, Lysenko is kind of
2: hot. Uh, he, his, yeah, look, Google a picture look him of him. Yeah. He's, a handsome dude. He's a handsome dude. Yeah, he can turn my weed into barley. So just to set the stage, so Trofim Lysenko was famous for his rejection of Mendelian genetics. And of course, Mendelian genetics is the now universally accepted idea that a living organism's characteristics or traits is the product of genes that are passed from generation to generation. You know, if you have blue eyes, that's because like one of your ancestors happened to carry a specific mutation from a particular gene that's involved in the production of pigment. Uh, So, according to Mendelian genetics, you would need that gene for your eyes to express that trait. And the only way to acquire those genes, besides a sort of an improbable, totally random mutation, would have it be passed through generations to you, basically. Yeah, your father's come. Exactly. Your father's (laughs) come. You have blue eyes because you had blue eyed daddy come. Your father's come. So, yeah, according to Mendelian genetics, you can't, like, acquire blue eyes for just by living experience. It has to yeah. be inherited. So, Lysenko thought that Mendelian genetics was what he called bourgeois pseudoscience.
1: Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> I already stand this You already like, like this? Him. I hope so, he cracks down on anyone uh, who disagrees with him.
2: <laughs> so, that was a common Soviet pejorative to academic fields that he just didn't like. So instead, Lysenko promoted this competing idea called Lamarckian inheritance. So this is the discredited notion that an organism can pass on to its offspring physical characteristics that the parent organism acquired through use or disuse during its lifetime. Right. For example, a proponent of Lamarckian inheritance would say that the reason a giraffe's neck is so long is because its ancestors stretched their necks to reach higher food. And so this use of their neck actually made their neck physically longer, and these long neck characteristics— which was like acquired like during their lives which then passed down to the descendants is that not true that is not accurate. It's not. No. I, no. I
1: see how you could think it was true.
0: I feel like I heard that from somebody that I trusted and believed well, that that's why they're next. Let's say your, your
1: neck is the longest of the drafts. You will survive better and pass your genes on. And over time, it sculpts it. But it's not like yeah, know, that's it's not like you stretch the, the neck and then yes, and then next generation then the next, next has generation. A neck. Oh yeah, I guess that's that is stupid. Yeah, I yeah well,
2: it. yeah. The, the, nowadays, scientists recognize like yeah, natural selection, Darwinian yeah. evolution. So basically, random mutations and the the, the ones that are most favorable to survival and reproduction, yeah. those are the ones that pass down. So that's what sort of scientists accept now.
1: Yeah, that's why my powerful family has given me alcoholism and mental illness. Exactly. <laughs> <You got> the... <laughs> and
2: mine
0: has given me guilt and anxiety.
2: <laughs> even though Lysenko's rejection of Mendelian genetics flew in the face of reality, he became the most powerful and influential scientist in Soviet Russia. Lysenko's theories received the support of Stalin himself, even.
1: Hell yeah! Okay,
2: kings assemble. <laughs> so is it, this is just going to be the episode where you yeah. go full tanky on me. Apparently, <laughs> I think it's the, probably the
1: funniest thing you could do is is cheer them on until the until the death uh, the body count starts to rise and you go oh shit I've uh, miscalculated this episode.
2: Yeah, well, I mean thousands.
1: <laughs> That's how it of, always ends, right? <laughs> Kill a bunch. of it's people. It's bad. Oh like, my my fave. Ooh ooh my fave did a boo boo. <laughs>
2: Thousands of scientists who opposed Lysenko's flawed ideas were fired or sent to prison camps. Some scientists were even executed.
1: Oh, how? Hell yeah. How do they kill them? That's the ultimate going off, King. <laughs> it's uh, you execute your poison, uh, gunshots. It was, it was ugly. Wow. Poisoned gunshots. Yeah, yeah. sir. They all died of it.
2: (laughs) The Soviet government embraced Lysenko's ideas for a few reasons. Uh, First of all, uh, Soviet Russia was eager to find ways to improve food production. And Lysenkoism promised extraordinary advances in breeding and agriculture that just never came about. Yeah. Uh, Second of all, though Trofim Lysenko was a terrible scientist, he was a gifted political player.
1: Well, you can't fucking look like Daniel Craig and just lay pipe all day. And then also, you can't have all the gifts. Yeah, yeah. You can't be like an <laughs> a real scientist. You can't know anything about agriculture if you're going to be, you know, the head of the entire country's agriculture. Come on.
0: He's just like too busy fucking. And so then yeah. and then when it comes down to something, he's like, well, of course, the giraffe's neck.
1: <laughs> he stretches up to yeah.
0: suck his uh, partner's dick.
1: Makes sense to me. Anyways, I'll be in my boudoir. <laughs> yeah, it
0: makes it makes sense to me. Sure. All you nerds, all you nerds should get laid and stop looking get yeah. your head out of the books.
1: Lysenko is just the classic case of what happens when a Chad Takes over a nerd's role, and all the nerds are unhappy. Boo, boo,
2: boo. That's basically it. It's <laughs> like that's like, it's, like we'll see like we'll see later about like he he'll, he'll he'll just roll in. He'll will say crazy shit, and like all the other kind of nerds, like excuse me, sir, that's technically not true. Exactly. And like everyone hated the nerds. Everyone loved Leszek. Uh, they, they hated. Yeah. They
0: even back then they hated the well, actually, guys. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> and the third reason is that uh, basically the Soviet Union really uh, they just suppressed scientific research that the the government viewed as idealistic or bourgeois or otherwise sort of fell out of line with Soviet state ideology. Mm. Obviously j- just to back up to a moment and to be fair, like there's that I'm not saying that all of Soviet science was quackery. There's no no there's no denying that the communist state produced a lot of valuable scientific research.
1: Keep going. Just, Tell us more the science what is good about well, the Soviet government? Well the so
2: <laughs> I was well I just I, it's just a reality that you yeah. know the Soviet government they, they I mean they made the development and advancement of science like yeah. a national priority. They
1: taught monkey how to smoke cigarettes. They put monkeys in space. And that You're going to sit here and talk
2: shit. In fact, by the time that uh, Joseph Stalin died in 1953, the Soviet Union boasted the largest and the best-funded scientific establishment in history.
0: Wow, yeah. so of course they would have a couple bad apples, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah,
2: you're, you're you're doing a lot of good stuff and a little bit of bad creeps through as well. What exactly. can you do? I mean, I like them. They're, they're doing great. They I mean, they're winning like Nobel prizes and like they were like building this amazing sort of space program, incredible nuclear physics program. Yeah, it, they're doing really really well. They actually they didn't like like for example general rel- relativity. They thought that was too idealistic, like so sometimes like their ideology sort of blocked their ability to sort of uh reach these scientific uh uh ideas, but otherwise they had a really sophisticated science Because they program. didn't
0: like the guy they were like they like he seems he's a little like bit too chewy yeah he's oh uh
2: yeah he's Jew. <laughs> <laughs> wow so uh, a good illustration of the uh, skepticism of sort of like outside science comes from a letter written by Vladimir Lenin in which he complains that his budding nation would have to rely on knowledge held by people who don't share his ideology mm.
0: communism cannot be built without a fund of knowledge technology culture but they are in possession of bourgeois specialists among them the majority do not approve of the Soviet regime but without them we cannot build communism.
2: La well, um, offered a way to reject those bourgeois specialists, so the Soviet leaders embraced it.
1: Yeah, they threw out the wonks, but they uh, unfortunately you have to you have to d- differentiate between a scientist and like Nate Silver. You know, you have to. Yeah. that's what the new revolution should make sure. Mm. You know,
2: <laughs> if, if so, there's no Nate Silvers after the revolution.
0: No
1: Nate Silvers. Whoa, he's all first, right. He's first. I'm um, warming
2: up. I'm warming up.
1: First against the wall. Let's be clear. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> All right.
2: The story of Lysenkoism is, I think, is an epistemological horror story. It's a story of how, like, one man with boundless ambition violently enforced his own version of unreality upon a country for decades. And with that, let's take a look at the life and career of Trofim Lysenko, the man who almost single-handedly ruined Soviet biology.